you know, the machine says no effect is also negative, right? That's what you don't want. Yeah. So, so we do combine. Uh, we always say we are digital first, not digital only. Okay, and that's quite important. It's become actually, it's actually emerged as a very important thing. On today's podcast, we are talking to Francesca Carlesi, the co-founder and CEO of Molo, a business which is disrupting the mortgage industry and is digital first, but not digital only. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some news and commentary. Joining me today, I, I've got a quiche who's wearing his Raiders top. You are looking forward to Super Bowl, was it 55 or something next weekend? Mate, I've got no clue about NFL. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got no you clue. You just like the top. I'll be honest, this was, yeah, I can't remember when I bought this. I don't think the Raiders ago. are involved. I'm not, I'm not sure who's playing, to be fair. Nah, but yeah, but I know they, um, they've moved to Vegas now, which is, which makes them pretty cool. Um, so I think they were in Oakland, like San Fran type way, and now they're Vegas. So I think the they're now called your, Las your Vegas. Top says Oakland Raiders is a giveaway. Yeah, old now. So they are now the Las Vegas Raiders, I think. Um, ah, but yeah, mate, okay. got no got no clue on NFL. And to be fair, yeah, I can't really stand the sport, if I'm honest. I've tried. I'm probably going to piss a lot of our American or NFL fans off that listen to this, but find it toilet, really. <laughs> <Does that matter? laughs> no, okay, right. I'm not a massive fan because mm. it keeps stopping. Yeah. Um, but I would love to go to a game in the States just for the pure spectacle. A bit like I think baseball's rubbish, but yeah. I'd go to a ball game. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's kind of each to their own, right? I mean, people might say cricket's yeah. shit and it goes on for days, but I love it. And I wake up at it four. It does go on for days, but it's brilliant. And that's why yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, each to their own. But yeah, NFL, no fucking clue what it is. Um, <laughs> The well, top's comfortable. Yeah, the top's comfortable and uh, slightly warm, and that's what you need when you're working from home, right? A bit of comfort. And it's, and it's February. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just a quick one um, about getting comfortable with colleagues. Uh, Friday night, we discovered that someone in our Irish office, whilst away on a trip, got their boss's name and a love heart tattooed to their rear end. Yeah. Um, how much? How much would it take? I mean, this person did it voluntarily, but how much mm. would it take for you to get? your boss's name tattooed to a body part. Uh, what's the going right? Well, I don't know. There's two ways of thinking of this. One, I'm not really into tattoos, right? Like I, I don't, I, I, I appreciate people that have them and, and whatever and sentimental value, all that stuff. It's not for me. So one side of it is with needing to need to talk to myself into getting one. Right. But then the second thing is if I did get a tattoo, it, and I had a free will and choice. I wouldn't get my manager's name. But if I was then to do that, I would say in the thousands, hundred thousands, hundreds of thousands, I think. Hundreds? Of, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably do it for five figures if I'm honest. But yeah. <laughs> do, I'd, I'd do it for about 20, 20, 30 grand. 20, 30 still, grand. Mm. 20, 30 grand could help me get, you know. A, there there were some payment. numbers thrown around. There were some numbers thrown around on Friday nights, chesting kind of eight, nine thousand, and people going, mm. "Yeah, okay." Nah, twenty, thirty grand will be a, a good, sizable deposit for a for a place. Talking of deposits for places, that's a nice link, Akish. Well done. 
Our interview today is with the CEO and founder of Molo Finance, Francesca. Um, so we'll quit our silliness. We'll hand over to the interview where we do talk about serious things to do with your money. And we'll be back with some commentary and a little bit of technology news afterwards. Today, I'm talking to Francesca. Uh, Francesca, you're the co-founder and CEO of Molo Finance. Thank you for taking some time. We're recording towards the end of the day. So I really do appreciate you giving up some time now. No, thank you so much. And it's a special treat to be here, Dave. So thank you so much. Really excited to be able to tell a little bit more about what we're doing in Molo. We are excited and happy to share the excitement as well. So yeah, look, I mean, let, let's start there. Who, who or what are Molo Finance? Yeah, so Molo Finance is the first and only first fully digital mortgage lender in the UK. So we have effectively indeed digitized the mortgage experience. I know it sounds impossible, but you know, it's possible. And effectively what we've done, we, we leverage at the end the power of technology and data to bring to customer the ability to get a mortgage. Let's, let me say in a click, right? So effectively our dream is to give allow people to get a mortgage in a matter of minutes rather than weeks. And to do so, you know, from the ease of their couch without having to fill in very cumbersome paper forms and so on. It's all paperless, slick, on mobile, get a mortgage in 15 minutes, effectively. So look, when you when you're dealing with a with a with a tech solution, it's normally kind of fixing the friction. So I suppose if you can take it from a process that's weeks long down to um, minutes long from your couch with a click, what what are the friction points that you identified? You know how and 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 how and why have you been able to make that possible? Yeah. Great question, Dave. It depends how much time we have on this call now here because <laughs> there are so many frictions, right? But I'll try to be uh, to the point. So I think there are a lot, right? So, and understandably so. So let's start mm. with basic. I mean, at the end, mortgages are one of the most complex products in financial services and one of the high, mostly regulated. So most heavily regulated. So the combination of these two things uh, creates a situation where if you're giving money, effectively a big amount of money away, you want to check a lot of things. So the, the need to check and validate a lot of informations create a very a process that right now for traditional lenders is very long, full hands off and full of you know um, uh, friction, right? Primarily, what are those, right? At the end, you need, we need to assess Three things when you look at a mortgage, right? The person, whether we can com- be comfortable that person will be, you know, able to repay and will need to repay. But the prop- second thing, the property, which is very important, right? And then thirdly, we need to make sure there is not fraud or nothing else strange happening in the background. So if you think about these three buckets, every single one of them has a lot, a lot of frictions because you need to understand credit history of a person, you need to understand how much property is worth. And all of this data until now, they were validated separately through manual processes and, and paperwork effectively. Um, so each one of them could take hours to validate for a person, right? So what we have done, we have said, okay, we want to check the same things. We're not cutting corners here, but how do we do it instantly? And it turns out that today you can do, you know, integrate with data sources certainly through APIs. So you can actually in real time validate data and you can automate a lot of the human decisioning through through, through, through an automated decisioning and that would take instance, right? So effectively by mm. combining the power of 
instant data validation, real-time decisioning, you can reduce a process that takes weeks for a person. You can reduce it to really minutes, actually. What I'm quite interested, I suppose, to find out is is, is what it takes then to ex- execute that digital proposition in line with customer expectations of the 21st century. Because the customer expectations, I think that's quite interesting, especially when it comes to mortgages. Because on the one hand, you know, we're used to downloading... Yeah. Especially when it comes to banking apps now, yeah. you know, challenger, yeah. challenger financial products where you, you know you can access any number of different products in a couple of clicks, and that's forced the legacy banks to up their game. But at the same time, when it comes to a mortgage, someone might get refused and then want to state their case and to talk to someone. And there is there is an element of that human yeah. aspect there as well. So, so what what is a what is a customer expectation in the 21st century where it is something that is this complex? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting question, probably the, a couple of answers. So I think in general, I think there are probably two trends or two customer needs that we're trying to address. So on one side, you know, you can argue that in the 21st century where we are, people reuse a lot to what we call instant gratification, right? So you click on something, yeah. get something up immediately, right? My kids... They really complain when they order something on Amazon, doesn't get there in the next two hours, which is, you know, normal today. So I think the expectations are higher today compared to several years ago. And the ability to give at least an instant response, it needs to be there, right? The ability to do take take an action and online get a response, it could be, you know, um, a decision, but it could be also an acknowledgement or an information and things like that. That is important. So, and that doesn't happen right now in the traditional lending process because you submit a form and then maybe after a week, somebody gets back and say, okay, maybe now I need another document. So you still haven't got any answer whatsoever, right? So, there is an element of being able to give the immediate, being immediate responsiveness immediately, if possible, with a decision, if not, at least with a very, very, very transparent um, assessment where the, the, the position is. I think the second point, though, to your point is, you know, not always, you know, you want to just, people want to, if the decision, for example, is not positive, you know, the machine says no effect is also negative, right? That's what you don't want. Yeah. So, so we do combine. Uh, we always say we are n- digital first, not digital only. Okay, and that's quite important. Mm. It's become actually, it's actually emerged as a very important thing. So, yes, we do leverage technology uh, to give customer the best service we can, the best customer experience, and and make sure that getting a mortgage is not a problem. However, technology is a means to an end. So we couple that with also, you know are very live chat box with customer service ability to talk to somebody at any point in time. In fact, I actually think a lot of people associate using technology with a very impersonal approach. I think it's the other way around because by using technology, you can help those people that don't need or don't want to talk to anybody and you know tailor the proposition to the need of that specific customer. So those people that are happy to just go straight through and you know not, don't need an explanation, the better off. But then when somebody needs an explanation and can just pick up the phone, talk to one of our people, we step into the journey and you can actually talk to somebody. So, yeah, so that, these are, in my view, the expectations. So in the 21st century, have immediate responsive and immediate gratification, but effectively transparency, really, on one side. But mm. on the other side, without complete, without losing sight of 
the personal touch, right? And the understanding and the explanation and it's so happened. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so that's gonna be how we see things. And you'd be surprised, I think if you compare with the average mortgage industry, typically customers feel they submit an application, this is a black box, so you completely don't get the first element, but then second, even the personal touch is not there because, um, yeah, the process is so long and so manual that being able to talk to, to, to the customer all the time is very difficult. I'm quite intrigued around what the pandemic has done for the, for the business, for your business. Have you seen a greater uptake and, and, and a greater number of customers over the last eight or nine months than perhaps you were doing beforehand? So, uh, in short, yes, I think we could say it'll be, you know, more bullish that 2020 is the year when mortgages went digital. So, I think overall, yes. Any- so, the follow-up question is that, is, is why? Like, I get that COVID has accelerated um, industries, left, right, and center. Absolutely. We talk about, you know, th- 10 years worth of progress in, in three to six months for some organizations. I kind of feel like the, the conditions were there for this to be yeah. to be embraced beforehand because let's be honest, when you're sat in an office, like if we go back to 2019, you're sat in an office and a mortgage broker tells you that you need to come in and see them with a whole load of paperwork yeah. that you don't have to hand. It's like, it, it's not like this wasn't, the conditions weren't there for people to want this kind of a service beforehand. Yeah, it's a good point. I think, um, yeah, sometimes you need a forcing device. So the real question is, why did this have to happen in this way, right? It couldn't happen earlier. Mm. Um, the conditions were there. But people, it's almost like, well, I mean, many other aspects. I would probably we never go back to work in an office fully as we used to do before. And why is that, right? We could have done it before, but people need a little bit of a push. So I think what, what's happening, specifically mortgages, though, is a special situation. Thinking mortgages, um, there is... Uh, there was at least a lot of legacy mentality. So there's a lot of sense of from lenders, maybe from customers, because nobody's ever done anything different, then that it must be that way. And so nobody has ever dared a lot to kind of, uh, if you want to challenge the status quo. The moment you're forced to find another way, you realize actually it works even better, then you probably stick to this, right? But in, in mortgage, I think we should not forget that a real innovation has never really happened until now. So if people don't know what's it, what it could be, then they keep going with what it is, right? So so I think sometimes you just need a little bit of a push. And and I actually wouldn't be surprised if some of the, you know, a lot of the digitization uptake will is here to stay. So we really see 2020 as a paradigm shift in terms of where mortgage the mortgage industry will go because some of the habits, now people know, and so they will keep, realize they will know that getting a mortgage online is possible uh, do you think that there, there is an element as well that you know, you know the success of fintech uh, organizations so the success if you think about challenger banks of, of of a monzo or a starling bank or a revolut has then opened the door for a wider range of financial products i mean we've had pension big on the podcast for example yeah. so pensions in an app online in a few yeah. clicks is, is that has that paved the way to make mortgages almost like that final frontier of no, this this can also be digitized. So um, yeah, I think it has paved the way 
for sure, right? I mean, a lot of innovations happening now is also benefiting from the educational process that, you know, mm-hmm. early, early, you know, early innovators have done, especially I think about Stanley and Monzo. However, to say, unfortunately, in the market space, there is still a lot of education to do. So <laughs> I think no, it's not yet a slam dunk that pe- people still don't believe that this is fully possible. And when I started the company, it was quite interesting because... The first thing you do, you test with different people that know more than you in the industry. You know, what you think about this great idea. And everybody came back and said, not possible. Impossible. You cannot digitize mortgages. Nobody will ever allow you to do it. At that point, we said, okay, then even more so, we are going to do it. (laughs) So there is a lot of still legacy thinking. However, it always helps to have had some digital successes before, right? It, It does. Yeah, of course. So what what do you think is is going to happen in this year that we're now in? You know, still still at the beginning of twenty twenty one, and and I think people are hopeful. Obviously, it'll be a positive year as it as it as it matures. So, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so um, I'm an optimist by nature, so <laughs> I'll try to paint a balanced picture here. So, um, yeah, what's going to happen in general? I think though, it, let me go maybe in general and then on the mortgage side. So, so I think the general outlook let's say unfortunately for 2021 is not that rosy right unfortunately fully mm-hmm. so um we do see um i do expect that there will be a little bit of a long tail of COVID of the pandemic and a long tail in terms of economic um growth yep. or not lack of growth right still the environment we live in today is still a little bit boosted by a lot of the government support which is coming to an end. The moment it comes to an end, inevitably, um, you know, we start seeing the impact in terms of, you know, unemployment, reduced growth, and many other things on the wider economy. So, my general expectations is that after March, potentially, there won't be, um, you know, there will be a little bit subdued environment and gradually we recover, but it will be gradually. So, probably this will eat a little bit into 2022. Now, on the mortgage side, though, um, I think this would be a little bit of double um, a tale of two cities, if I may, right? So until March, this market is really, really, really growing, is really, uh, you know, accelerating um, because of a lot of the government incentives as well. As you know, there's been a mm-hmm. stamp duty holiday until March, and this will keep going until March. After that, probably growth will slow down, and but not dramatically because the truth is, uh, the mortgage market is driven a lot by refinancing as well. And refinancing needs to happen. So we do see a slowdown happening after March, but not massive, not in line with the old economic outlook of, um, you know, uh, mentioned before. So I, I do think between now and March, we'll be really keep going high growth. And then we need to be ready for a little bit slower, you know, pace. Okay, look, just to wrap up, um, fintech in particular i suppose finance has quite a you know like you said mortgages this is this is one of the last stubborn areas to be to be digitalized um and i think in that regard when you think about stereotypes legacy industries you tend to think of white middle-aged men in suits and 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 quite a lot of barriers to innovation and inclusion yet here you are co-founder ceo of one of the few organizations that's really challenging the status quo what does it mean to be in the position that you're in working in this particular industry? Um, yeah, so I'm, 
I think it's quite exciting, right? However, it's quite challenging, I, I must be honest. So I think I always um, believe that you can achieve everything if you really want it. And mm -hmm. there must be and there shouldn't be any differentiation depending on gender and big believer diversity as well. And I have to say, though, it's no mystery that in the tech industry, there hasn't been much diversity until now. So sometimes it's more difficult to also make things happen in terms of, you know, if, for example, if you're a woman or if you're kind of diverse background, I think what that means, you need to work harder a bit, make sure you uh, maintain a strong voice and you let people recognize diversity. You, you know, you kind of create the condition for people to recognize also that there is a lot of value in diversity. But then I think we also have, I also feel I have a little bit of a duty to make sure that this happens also in my team and, uh, you know, in the, in the wider organization. Because if we think about what's happening next in the future generations, we don't want this to be a barrier. We don't want to be a to be a barrier going forward. So I do feel also a little bit of duty to mentor and coach and make sure I'm an enabler for future women to, to, to you know, to, to do more of that, drive more innovation, be more empowered, and not have to be challenged um, all the time, I guess. Well, look, I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes that you've been nominated for the Computer Weekly um, UK Top Tech 50. Um, uh, I know that long list of 100 is being whittled down shortly, probably before before this podcast goes out. So best of luck on that. But it it, it, okay. it speaks volumes that you, you are on that long list. Uh, uh, to, to the success of not only Molo, but also of what you've been able to achieve individually. So I really appreciate you spending some time to talk to us. And fingers crossed your optimism, your natural optimism is borne out yeah. in 2021, develops in the way that we all hope it does. Absolutely. I trust it will, right? At the end, we need to be, you know, 2020 is a difficult year, so it must be better So going forward. So thank you, Dave, and fingers crossed. I fully agree. Thank you. About a year ago, I went through the process of applying for a mortgage. You have a mortgage because you own a house. Mm -hmm. uh, mine was, the rug was pulled out from under us slightly by COVID and all the products got pulled from the market. Probably a good thing because I'm not sure the house we were going for on reflection with everything that's happened since was quite big enough. Mm -hmm. But it was a massive ball ache. Mm -hmm. um, so to hear that there is a service that potentially takes this from being weeks of paperwork and quite frankly who has printers and scanners these days mm. that was a, that was painful enough i've had to buy a printer scanner um it's just horribly time consuming it is it's probably uh, I, I think i said this to to you guys earlier it's, it's probably one of those things where as part of growing up you think you know as an adult this is one of the things i need to be doing but once you get into the process, I mean, I found it very, very um, kind of time consuming, stressful, nerve wracking, whatever. Um, and, and that may have been because, you know, I didn't have the most kind of, you know, biggest kind of outlay to, to kind of put in. And, and you know, my, my case wasn't easiest. I work in a sales based job by which a large part of my income is commission. So it's not exactly, you know, sustainable and, and, and kind of future proof. So there was a lot of kind of back and forth and, and, and kind of things. And I, the thing that grated on me the most was I think you were always having to give an account of yourself. Mm. And I think for me, for someone that's got a bit of a, a kind of, you know, bit of an ego and, 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 you know, kind of quite proud, 
it was just a little bit like, you know, after a few weeks, you kind of feel like you're begging someone to like back you in, in something. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be paying the money back regularly. So I don't really understand why it's such an issue. I've shown I can afford it. You know, what, yeah. what, what's the problem? Just, just kind of yeah. get it done. Um, oh, so I think that was, no that end. was the thing. Yeah. They do treat you like you're incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is the exactly. default position that somehow mm. you've done something wrong. Mm. Exactly. Um, and I always think what's meant to be such a milestone in, in someone's life, you know, the first time they actually buy a place and, you know, it's talked about a lot and, and specifically with kind of young people or younger professionals in the city and what have you, or anyone really, you know, you, you want to be kind of not congratulated or patted on your back, but you almost want to be like, you know, well done for achieving something rather than knee deep in, bloody you know the last six years worth of bank statements and you know pay slips and you know right of i don't know residencies and proof of work and all this stuff do you know what i mean it's just i don't know it's one of those things that really but the fact that you now you can do it in an app and you can get a decision in, in minutes like molo that's good we like that 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 is very we good. do we do although i like i like the point that um that Francesca makes about, you know, if not a positive, it's a negative. And they need mm. to be digital first, but not digital only. And, and customer mm. service is still key. Because mm. unfortunately, if you are going to get turned down and it was just a computer says no, that mm. would be hugely damaging. Mm. Exactly. And, and and I think, so when I first kind of heard the interview and, and I was Googling kind of Molo and, and just on their website and stuff, and I almost thought, oh shit, this is bad because you know, what if you just, you don't hit certain criterias? I mean, we've seen a million and one of these things happen, right? It's like, it's like when you go and buy a car, like at the moment, obviously car dealerships and stuff are a bit closed. Well, they are closed and, and, you know, you can only do these click and collect things. But now where you used to be able to go in, talk to a sales rep and, you know, try to kind of swindle a price or, you know, kind of uh, do some, some jiggery pokery and some negotiation, you can't. And you just kind of enter your things into a, online form and system and then they you know 20 minutes later they give you a call and say well whether you've been accepted to to you know have finance on the car or not um and without taking any of your kind of you know personal circumstances or or kind of your personal attributes into play which is 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 a good thing if you've got everything in order and how it should be right I'm, i'm not saying that and yes you know you should be having it and and you know that's how things should be but if you've had kind of exceniated circumstances, if your credit fund might not be that good, if you've had a lot of kind of borrowing in the past, for whatever reason, you should be able to kind of at least, you know, explain yourself, give an account and, and kind of manage to, you know, gain the trust of, of um, the kind of mortgage providers to, yeah, to sanction you, um, that, that part of the money. So I do agree with that. Digital first, but not digital only, because... I think the human aspect is still massively important um, in things like that. Hundred um, percent. The point about instant gratification, though, is a really good, well-made one, because you say there about car finance, and we mm. do expect decisions quickly, and I think it's fair to expect mm. decisions quickly. I don't, I don't think that it's like. Kids don't understand how easy they've got it these days. Rah, 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 rah. Something yeah. there, something like yeah. that. I, I think if we've got the technology and you've got an automated process and you've got the ability to give quick decisions, there should be quick decisions. Yeah. Um, 
but I can understand how 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 that might set slightly unrealistic expectations at times because not only do we expect an instant answer, we probably expect an instant yes hmm. um, because we're in we're very much trapped in that kind of affirmation cycle of I don't know easy come society right these days it's it's amazon click here it is in the next couple of hours of course you can have Mm. stuff i think so i think so and and i think because we're so used to just having everything instantly um you know you 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 could you could book a bloody do do you remember when you had to go to travel agents to book tickets to to go on holiday um now you could book a you know you could book a holiday within minutes and you could be on a plane this evening or tonight um well probably not now but you know, in, in, in the past, you'd be able to do that. Um, so I just think it, it's it's one of those things where our expectations are yeah. quite a lot or, or our expectations are very high. Um, and maybe we just need to, to kind of, I, I, I don't know, re, retrain ourselves or, or just rejig kind of our expectations from, from people and products um, in particular to, to say, look, you know, these things do take a bit of time and we need to, need to realize that yeah i think there's a case there that we just need to get rid of legacy mentality i think that's everything that we're talking about it's positive to see that there's an organization that can do that and mm. uh, but still places customers and customer experience at the, at the heart of what they of what they're trying to offer 100%. Um, francesca thanks for being our guest we'll take a quick break when we come back we're going to be talking about the tyranny of passwords A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, Akish, um, let me just read you a little bit from an article in The Guardian today. Our passwords reveal a humanity that is more shared than we think. We all like a look. We all do the same things in creating passwords. People think that being they are being smart by going diagonally on a keyboard but it's all a hack hacker's dictionary okay so basically you can play a game where, where this hacker played a game where they can ask friends five questions before guessing their passwords um and basically we all go for parents siblings children's names anniversaries birthdays pets names um and, and this hacker got it right 70 percent of the time so wow. It's basically talking about the fact that the World Economic Forum estimates that cybercrime costs the global economy about $2.9 million every minute, okay? And around 80% of those uh, cybercrimes are, are sorry, 80% are password related, okay? Uh, and it gives numerous examples throughout this article. Uh, a 44-year-old electrician called Matt who lost £52,000 worth of life savings through a password breach. It's basically saying that passwords are not fit for purpose. That, um, you know, on average, the average person apparently has close to 80 passwords and we can't hope to remember them all. And they get hacked. And we know cybercrime has been on the increase. And we need a new way of, of trying to access uh, services online. The average person has what eighty passwords. 
80 passwords. I can believe that because I've got I've got like five or six variants of the same password because I get prompted to update everything every month. Hmm. Yeah, true. And you're not allowed to use a, a password you've used before, so you're like, oh, Christ. Yeah, I'm trying to think. 80 passwords is a lot, though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that is a lot. But, but yeah, I, I kind of get it. I was having this conversation the other day with... Um, we were misses and, and she was trying to get on her ASOS or one of these kind of shopping apps or whatever. And, um, and she was just saying how, you know, she's got so many passwords and now she can't kind of figure out what is what. And, mm. you know, is there ASOS to sit? Same as her kind of, you know, banking password. Is a banking password the same as her emails or the emails the same as her, you know, Instagram and all these sorts of things. Do you know what I mean? So, and then she basically was like, you know, there should be something where, whereby you, you have an app and then you log on to kind of which one you want to log into and then uses your facial ID or your facial recognition. Um, and that is your, your thing to get into a lot of places. But I know well, apps kind of have used my that. Thumb, you know? On my phone, I'd be stuffed yeah. for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I'll tell you what, during this pandemic, I've actually managed to forget my um, banking PIN number as well. Because I've just been going out and using contactless and contactless and, and that's it, the one time where I needed to make a purchase, which is more than 45 quid, which let's be honest, there was nothing I was buying for more than 45 quid uh, just going to, going to the, you know, kind of local grocery store. Um the one time I need to do, I, I froze. I forgot, and I had to get a new pin and a new card and all that sort of thing. Um, some people might be listening to this and think I'm stupid, which probably, no. uh, you know. I, but, I, well, I've, I've I've done the whole change your pin on the cash point so that the pin on all my cards is all the same, which is probably a really bad idea from a security point of view. Yeah, exactly. You're probably playing into the hands of one of those hackers, but but like same pin for every card. Yeah, no, but but the thing is, for me as well, I've got the same password for you know, my banks to, to my online stuff, to my emails, everything. So I, I guess me and you, if you, if they find out your pin, they can probably take all your funds and me, they could get into all my shit with uh, my password. How crazy is that though? $2.9 million a minute. That's ridiculous. That's a globally, minute. right? That's globally, right? Yeah. But that means like in this little section that where we've been talking, there's been nearly $12 million disappeared in fraud around the world. That's That's crazy. That is crazy. And also the thing is the people that are doing it or that are getting kind of, you know, um, victimized for this sort of stuff, it's not just the money gone. You know, in most times where I've seen, you know, documentaries and stuff, it's it's their identity. It's a lot of their, you know, kind of personal details and all this sort of stuff. And someone on the other side of the world's pretending to be them. And, you know, it can have massive, massive, massive repercussions on people away from just yeah. losing the money. Um, because I also think that banks sometimes they don't really trace it all back, and and they don't really. I, I don't. I don't think people normally, you know, get it all back as well. Um, the, the article says about this guy Matt Hall, who's lost fifty two thousand. It says that Barclays haven't given them the money back yet. Yeah, exactly. So what do you do? You one day you just lose fifty two grand out of your account, and then how your long life you meant savings. To yeah, you know it's ridiculous. And then people say, oh, don't don't store money under your mattress, but. You know, if there's all these guys out there, I think my mattress is a bit safer. No one's tried to go under there for, a, you know, for, for a few years. But I don't know. Crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. 
I think it's it's a very interesting article. Um, obviously, mm. there's a lot more in there and some solutions and some ideas. So have a look. Mm. I'll post a link to the article. But um, yeah, yeah, there's food for thought. 80% or 85% of, of that fraud password related. Average person with 80 passwords, $2.9 million a minute. That is crazy. Anyway, uh, Akish, thanks for your time. Yes, no worries at all. Good to be back here, actually. Yeah, it's been a few a few episodes since we've had you on. Yes, it has, yeah, yeah. Just uh, just busy. Still here. We'll be back on Friday. <laughs>